All right. So, good evening. Today is Wednesday, what, January the 9th? February 9th, thank you, 2022. And uh, this is our second night in our Worldview series. And uh, we've got some more slides to look at for our uh, presentation. And uh, again, as I said last week, we're going to take our time uh, looking through these. So let's pray and ask the Lord to bless our time together. So, Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for this week. Uh, we pray, Lord, your grace be with us as we study. Again, continue our study in uh, cultivating a biblical worldview. Uh, we pray that you be with us and that you help us by your spirit to understand um, the different worldviews that are out there and how they contrast with uh, a true biblical worldview. And Lord, this may be a good mental exercise for all of us, but let us learn from it and let us grow from uh, what uh, we learn. And just bless our time together in Christ's name. Amen. So last week we looked at, uh, you know, we did an introduction to worldview. One of the main questions we uh, asked and answered um, was what is a worldview? What does it mean to have a worldview? And we basically said a, a worldview is um, assumptions uh, that are either consciously or subconsciously uh, held uh, that we all have about life, about God, about uh, all types of different things. And the fact that our worldview um, all of us live according to a worldview. All of us live according to assumptions. All of us live according to a certain set of beliefs. And that is our worldview. How we view the world. How we view work. How we view marriage. How we view relationships. How we view school. You know, how we value, uh, how we value human beings. You know, how we value animals. You know, all those things come from our worldview. So tonight we're going to look at some of the uh, basic questions. This is from the book The Universe Next Door by James Sire and he uh, asked eight questions, eight basic questions of a uh, worldview. And this is just a worldview in general. The first question we ask is what is prime reality? That means what is really real? And that, mean, that seems like duh, but you have to understand that some people live in <laughs> an alter alternate reality. You know, they don't live in the real world. Exactly. Uh, their, their beliefs are, are, are pure fantasy. So uh, first, what is prime reality? Number two, what is the nature of the world around us? And we'll get the answers, short answers to these questions on the next slide. What is a human being? That's important. What happens after death? That's an important worldview question. Because that determines how you live your life. What you believe about death and what happens afterwards. Why is it possible to know anything at all? Or is it possible to know anything at all? How do we know what is right and wrong? Where does that come from? I always use the illustration of a child. You have to teach a child not to tell a lie. Right? Those of us who've had children. Because children naturally do what? They lie. Little babies, little kids, you can see them do something, you can watch them do it, and they'll say what? I didn't do it. They can be the only, they can be the only person at home. And, and something gets messed up at the house. And they'll say what? They didn't do it. Although they're the only ones. Okay, you got the clicker. Okay. So, and then what is the meaning of human history? Believe it or not, there's a worldview behind history. There is a worldview behind history. And then what personal life-orienting core commitments are consistent with this worldview that you have? And we'll explain that. And then we have the scripture on here, 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. This is a very foundational scripture for a worldview that all scripture is inspired 
Theonustos is the Greek word God breathed. That's what it means. Uh, by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. So uh, the scriptures of God, the word of God is profitable for us. And that is where our worldview should originate. Okay, it is good for teaching, uh, reproof, uh, a correction, and training in righteousness. So it is the word of God that trains us to have this worldview. So on the next slide, it answers these uh, questions in short. What is prime reality? Reality is that God is infinite, that he is personal, that he is transcendent, he is omniscient. He is sovereign. He is totally necessary and good. You know, Genesis 1 and 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's the transcendent God. He created everything. Transcends basically means to be over all. Over all. He transcends his creation. God is bigger than. He is over all. He is, he is superlative to everything else. Infinite means uh, that he's not finite, that he's not limited. We talked about that when we talked about the attributes of God that, we, that I preached on, I think, last year. The infinitude of God, the uh, infinity of God, that God is infinite. He has no um, constraints. Um, he's personal. He is a personal God. He, 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 uh, that, personhood, that personal nature of God was expressed most uh, prominently in Christ. You know, uh, the word became flesh. God became man. So he's a personal God. He communicates with us and we communicate with him. So he's a personal God. Omniscient means all-knowing. The prefix omni means all. And seeant is where we get the word science from, meaning knowledge. So God is all-knowing. He has all-knowledge. He is sovereign, meaning that he rules over all like a, a sovereign king that rules over a nation. He, he is sovereign over all. And he is totally necessary and good. Okay? If there were no God, there would, there would be no us. And God also is totally good. The nature of the world. What is the nature of the world? That God created the world ex nihilo. Uh, ex nihilo, which means out of nothing. X, the prefix X means uh, out of uh, in, in, in the Latin. And nihilo, we get the word um, annihilate from. That means nothing, out of nothing. So God created the world out of nothing. Because remember, you read all Genesis 1, you'll see that God said and everything came into what? Existence. They came into existence out of nothing. Okay? Everything that God created came out of nothing. Okay? He spoke and it what? It came to be. He says, let there be light. And guess what? Light existed. Before that, there was no what? There was no light. Okay? Human beings. What is a human? That was the third question. Human beings are made in the image of God. Uh, Genesis 1, 26, 27. One of the most foundational worldview verses is Genesis 1, 26, and 27. As Christians, we have to know those verses. Let us make man in our image. So God uh, created man in his own image. Male and female Created he them. First were image bearers of God. And two. God made distinctions. Okay. Male and female. Those are only two sexes. So God's the one who created the distinction. Between male and female. Male and female created he them. And that's all he created. He didn't create uh, these. Hundreds of genders that people are trying to come up with. No. God made them what? Male and female. And again, God made us. He made man in his image. 
We are the only uh, image bearers of God in all of creation. We're the only uh, created beings that were created to mirror and to image God. That's what it means. The fact that we're made in God's image means that we have inherent value. Every single human being, no matter their state in life, has value because they're image bearers of God. The homeless person who lives under a bridge overpass is an image bearer of God. Now, they, they're marring God's image by, uh, you know, their homelessness or if, if it's something that was caused by them, yeah, they're marring their image, but that still doesn't take away the fact that they are still image bearers of God and that their life has dignity and worth. What happens after death? Question four. Death is the gate to God or the gate to eternal separation from God. It's, it's a gate. How you live determines what you think about death. Some people don't think there's life after death. Some people think that we just go to the great nothing, the great beyond. Or we're just fizzing chemicals, okay, and nothing happens. You just die and that's it. If that's, if, I mean, if you just think about that worldview, then you're going to, you, you don't care how you live because you're not going to have to give an account to anyone. If you, if you feel in your life that, man, nothing's going to happen after I die. I'm, I'm just going to die. That's just going to be it. That's a very meaningless and hopeless existence, if you ask me. Like, what are you living for? If all you do is go to nothing. So, what a person thinks about life after death drives their worldview and how they live on this earth. Can we know anything? Yes. The foundation of human knowledge is God. That's the foundation of human knowledge. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. Okay? And the word became flesh. And we beheld his glory. That word became flesh, Jesus Christ. That's the foundation of knowledge, is the word of God. Ethics. How can we know right from wrong? The question asks, how do we know what is right and what is wrong? That's the question of ethics. Ethics mean what is right and what is wrong. Ethics are based on God's holy character. Okay, and Leviticus 11 uh, says that it's based on God's character. So we know right from wrong based on God's character. God says here in uh, Exodus, I'm sorry, Leviticus uh, 11, he says, uh, beginning at verse 44, For I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am holy. You shall not defile yourselves with any swarming thing that crawls on the ground. For I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. So God set the standard of ethic. God's character is what? He's holy. Okay? So because God is holy, that's what he expects out of creation. So ethics is about what is right and what is wrong. How do we know what's right and what's wrong? It's based on God. And his character. It's inherent in all of us. All of us know when we do something wrong. We may suppress it. But we know when we do something wrong. Why? Because God has implanted that in all of us. When I was, uh, I think I was in eighth grade, I slapped this girl in my neighborhood. I don't know why I did it. But I slapped her. I knew I was wrong. And she told her daddy. And her daddy made her slap me back in front of all my friends. In, 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 in front of our house. He was coming down the street with her dad. And all my little boys standing around. Like, oh, flip. And he said, my daughter said, you slapped her. I'm like, yes, sir. I was scared of him. And... He said, well, and I'm not making this up. This actually happened. He said, well, she's going to slap you back. 
And she looked at me, you know, her eyes all kind of glossy or whatever. She said, Bop! All the boys like, ooh. You know, of course I was embarrassed. But I knew I was wrong for slapping her. I slapped her because I liked her. You know, one of those little childhood crush things. You know. Yeah. But, uh, but I was wrong for slapping her. And her dad, her dad uh, made her slap me back. But the point I'm making is I knew that I was wrong when I did it. I mean, I knew that. I wasn't supposed to slap that. I mean, seriously. So we know when we do something wrong. But where does that come from? God. He puts that in all of our hearts. Human history. Human history is linear. Despite the chaos, there's a purpose. And this is important. History is linear. It means it goes in a, a continuum, a straight line. Despite all the chaos, even that we see in our world, history still what? It still goes on. You have <coughs> four, and I've talked about this before in church. You have four mega themes in scripture. Creation, fall, redemption, and glorification. Okay, God created the world. The fall of man happened, as you see in Genesis 3. And from there on, God's plan of redemption uh, that he had ordained before the beginning of time began to play out from the rest of Genesis all the way through the rest of Scripture. Redemption, ultimately fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And the last stage is glorification when Jesus comes back. So history is linear. God is the God of history. All historical events that happened, okay, was ordained by God. So history is not, it, it, it doesn't not matter. History matters. Okay, it means something. It's linear. Okay? And then personal life. Christians seek the kingdom of God because that last, that eighth question is, uh, what personal commitments are consistent with this worldview? Then we have to seek what? The kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God, Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all things shall be added unto you. So that's what we're doing. Is seeking it first. So we're going to look at some uh, different worldviews. We looked at some last week. Uh, we're going to look at a, a, a few more. And some of these we saw last week. Uh, but these are some more worldviews. Atheism. We talked about atheism. Uh a disbelief in the existence of deity, a deity meaning a higher power. Okay, the doctrine that there is no deity. An atheist is one who de denies the existence of God. Okay, the Greek word theos, meaning God, and the prefix a or uh, negates. So ah, th uh, theos. Uh, negates the word before it so that means no god okay so the prefix a or r is, is a negative okay so atheism is the belief that there is no god that there's not just there's no god there's no deity period that there's no higher power now, atheists don't believe in the gods of any religion the false gods of other religions they don't believe in that either okay Theism is the belief in the existence of a God, okay, or gods specifically, okay, specifically the existence of the one God. But theism, as opposed to atheism, believes in the existence of a God or many gods, okay. Many people are theists, but they're not Christians. They believe in a God, but they don't believe in the God of the Bible. Now, pantheism. I'll explain some aspects of pantheism that you all w will be familiar with now. The prefix pan means a cross. Okay? A cross. So a doctrine that equates God with the forces and laws of the universe. So pantheists believe that... You hear people talk about the universe being on your side or the universe doing this or the universe doing that. That's 
uh, that's pantheism. Okay, pantheists believe that God is all and that all is God, that everything is God and that God is everything. That God is in the mountains, God is in the trees. God is in the, you hear people talking about having positive energy and negative energy. That's pantheism because they're, they're preaching that people somehow p- possess some type of God-like energy. That's what they believe. They believe that people possess some type of God-like energy. Okay? So because of that, they use those words. And they use them in a, in a God-like way. So that's what a pantheist is. Okay? That God is all and that all is God. That, that everything is a God. That everything uh, consists of God. That God is, is not separate from his creation. But that he's one with his creation. As opposed to being the separate, the transcendent God. So uh, that's where pantheism uh, comes in at. So they don't believe that there's a separation between God and his creation. They believe that all is God. There's a man named Dr. Peter Jones at the Truth Exchange. We're going to watch one of his videos next week. He talked about uh, oneism and twoism. Twoism is that there's God and there's his creation. Oneism means that God and his creation are together. Okay? And that's what, uh, that's the idea of uh, pantheism. And then you have, I don't have this on here, but you have panantheism, which believes that even inanimate objects possess spirits. Like uh, panantheists believe that trees have souls. You know, you have people who are uh, what, what I call tree huggers. You know, they believe that you're hurting trees by cutting them down because they believe that trees have spirits, that they have some type of divine nature or other parts of creation have divine nature uh, to them. Okay, so they equate that with God. You have people who actually believe those things. They believe the same thing about the earth itself. Okay, they'll use... Uh, anthropomorphic words and anthropomorphism is uh, attributing human characteristics to a uh, non-human thing. So they anthropomorphize the earth. They say you're hurting the earth as if the earth has feelings, as if, as if the earth is a person, a being, a deity. And they use that language. So when you, when you hear that, you're listening to a pantheist and a panentheist. You listen to a uh, panentheistic and pantheistic language when you hear people um, give those type of attributes to uh, inanimate objects and created things. And then you have syncretism. Syncretism is basically the blending of different religions or religious uh, systems. Of course, you have um, one religion, elements of one religion, and you take elements of another religion, and you uh, put those things together. One classic example, especially in contemporary uh, American culture, is Christian yoga. And so, because yoga is, is Eastern, uh, it's an Eastern practice. It's, it's a practice of Hinduism, and uh, pri- primarily Hinduism and Buddhism, which are what we call Eastern religions. Uh, they're primarily uh, Asiatic in nature. And so you put the word Christian in front of yoga, and you're blending two different religious systems because yoga in practice is uh, Hinduism. It is it is Buddhism. And you have people putting those two things together. Uh, There's nothing wrong with stretching. There's nothing wrong with doing different poses and all those things. But the problem is a lot of the poses and a lot of the stretches. We're going to look at a video on that too. A lot of the, the different poses, a lot of different stretches and positions in Yoga are actually positions of worship in in those uh, religions. And so what we try to do is slap a uh, Christian label on it, and we're actually uh, being synchristic in doing that. And uh, that's how we come up with a lot of different false branches of Christianity, by blending aspects or elements from different religious systems and 
trying to blend in with Christianity. But what happens is you're not left with Christianity. You're left with a uh, false religion because you're giving a new meaning to something that it was never um, meant to be. And so on the next slide, we have uh, finite Godism. That God is finite. That means he is limited, that he is a helpless God that, you know, we see we see this in when certain events happen in the world, tragic events, whether it's a mass shooting or a uh, act of um, natural disaster that kills a lot of people. And one of the questions that people may ask is uh, they'll blame God. Okay, they'll they'll um, accuse God of, of of having limits and not being able to uh, control what is happening. And they uh, have the worldview that God is somehow uh, finite, that he has been neutered, that he is not all powerful, that he is not all knowing. And, and that's what we find in uh, finite uh, Godism, that he has definite or definable limits, that there's only so much that God can do. And we know that scripture uh, testifies differently uh, to that. You know, is there anything too hard for God? The answer is what? No. But those who have that worldview believe that there's some things that God just can't do. Then you have polytheism, of course, the existence of many gods, a plurality of gods. And you see this in a lot of, of course, Eastern religions and also um, a Western religious movement, too. In Eastern religions, especially, uh, I know in Hinduism, uh, they have many gods, hundreds of thousands of gods. Uh, they worship animals. They worship certain animals are sacred. In a lot of Eastern religions, because they are polytheistic, they have many gods. How many gods does Christianity have? Just one. He's a triune God. Okay? But you have people, uh, the, the prefix poly means many. Okay? Agnosticism. This is a big um, part of our culture. And a lot of first century uh, Christians, even uh, early apostles, dealt with uh, Gnosticism. It holds the view that any ultimate reality is unknown and probably unknowable. That means that you can't ultimately know what's true. That's what an agnostic would say, that you that there's no absolute truth, that no one can know what is uh, absolutely true. But we know that that's not true. <laughs> because the Bible is God's, is our source of truth. As we read the scripture earlier in 2 Timothy uh, 3, it is God breathed. But an agnostic would say, you can't know that that's true or not. But we know that's not true. Nihilism. It denies objective truth. Okay. I'll give you a uh, nihilistic worldview. In a nutshell. A person who. Has no. Qualms about killing someone is a nihilist. That they don't care about taking a human life. They deny that there is a truth about that. That things are so bad as to make destruction desirable for his own sake. A person who uses a car to drive into a crowd of people is a nihilist. They don't, they don't, the destruction is desirable. Suicide is desirable. Murdering someone is desirable. Killing a child is a desirable outcome for them. That's a nihilistic worldview. They, they don't care about the outcomes. They deny anything of value. They don't value uh, human life. They're nihilists. Do we know people like that? Or you look in uh, human history, you look at different crimes that have been committed, you look at the um, hopelessness that we have in our 
uh, world and, and people uh, give up because they have a nihilistic worldview. So they would rather do what? Kill themselves and see that as a desirable outcome for their life for its own sake. And that is how we see nihilism uh, played out. And of course, deism, no person of God whom man can relate. It is an impersonal God created the world. Basically, a deist says God created the world and just kind of left it to itself. Am I right on that, uh, Daniel? Okay. That God created the world and said, okay, <laughs> after he rested, after he did his last act, he rested and guess what? It's all up to us, right? To <laughs> That's what a deist thinks. That God is an absent deity. He's an absentee deity, as I heard uh, Bob St. John say one time. That he left man alone. And that's what a deist believes. You know, and a lot of people think that because of, uh, again, as we see things unfold in our world, people may ask the question, where is God in all this? If there was a God, fill in the blank. Yes, if there was a God, 26 children would not have been killed at Sandy Hook Elementary School. If there was a God, a tornado wouldn't sweep through seven states and kill hundreds of people. Because that's their worldview. They, if, if, if there was a God, you know, this, this world is out of his control, it's out of his hands. It's absolute chaos. That's a deistic worldview. Next we have Sibelianism and modalism. This is a false Christian worldview. And this is uh, the worldview that God delivered me and my family from. Um, I'll just say, simply put, modalists don't believe in the, the Trinity. Uh, they view God as manifesting himself in three different modes. That's where the word modalism comes from. Sometimes God manifests himself as the father. Sometimes he manifests himself as the son. Sometimes he manifests himself as the uh, Holy Spirit. And that he's not permanent in each person. That's modalism. And some very, one of the very popular modalists it's Thomas Dexter Jakes, other known as T.D. Jakes. That's his first and second name, by the way, Thomas Dexter. I used to listen to him. I used to drink that Kool-Aid. Um, but T.D. Jakes is a big modalist. And uh, there are a lot of his ilk. Modalism is very prominent in Pentecostal slash apostolic slash holiness slash Jesus-only churches. And that's kind of churches we came out of. We were, we were, we were holiness. We were at a holiness church. Jesus only. Everything is about Jesus, 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 Jesus. And uh, the, uh, the Trinity was considered uh, a heresy. You know, we're in a reform bubble right now, but <laughs> when you're not in that bubble, you, you see other things out there. You see people... Uh, speak of God manifesting himself in, 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 at different times and in, in different ways. That's, that's modalism. And they put an overemphasis on these different modes. Naturalism. The cosmos has no evidence of the supernatural. These are, uh, the offshoot of naturalism is, is secular uh, humanism. And basically, there, there's no such thing as a supernatural world. So if you're a naturalist, you don't believe in the Holy Spirit. You don't believe that there is a God who's above human nature, who's above his, his creation. Existentialism. I remember when I was in college, and we studied different philosophies, and this was one I didn't understand at the time, 30 years ago, when I was an undergrad. We're living in an existential world right now. And I'm going to tell you how. 
Look at what it means. It's placed an emphasis on the will and what's the other word? Emotions. Begins with the reality of human existence. How many times, see, I, I, I'm one of those people, I keep my ears on the streets. <laughs> I keep my ears in the culture and see what the, you know, where the culture is going. It helps me to evangelize. It helps me to be able to properly uh, equip our church members to, uh, you know, live in this culture and to be able to share the gospel with people. How many times you heard the word lived experience? A person's lived experience. That's existentialism, that your your, your life, your experiences are who you are. Your lived experience. You use your lived experience to interpret life. The life has no objective meaning apart from the present experience. You hear lots of people talk about their lived experience. My wife and I were talking about this this morning. It's a book that you don't mind me sharing this. Uh, Her counseling group is, for some ungodly reason, is going through uh, How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibram X. Kendi, uh, which is a book that enrages me. And I was explaining, I was explaining to my wife, y'all, y'all may not know about this, but his book became very prominent during the, uh, that, okay, during the uh, um, riots and looting of uh, 2020, the summer of, of 2020. And I was explaining to her, the premise of his book is, is this, talks about lived experience in there. And this is just the facts. You can't, you, you're either a racist or you're anti-racist, but you cannot be not racist. That don't make sense, does it? That's the premise of his book. That's the premise of his worldview. And when he says you, he's talking about white people. Okay? White people are the racist. A white person is either racist or they are anti-racist, but a white person can't say that they're not racist. That's the premise of his book. That's the premise of his worldview. That if a white person says, I'm not a racist, then you're a racist <laughs> because you can't be neutral. You're either a racist or you're working against racism, but you just can't say you're not racist. And I told him, I said, you know how demeaning that is? That's like a hopeless, you can't get out of it. And a person's, because one of the questions that she was answering was about a person's lived experience. And my wife and I, I can just honestly say, I'm 50 years old. I cannot say that I've ever experienced racism myself. Okay? That's not my lived experience. (laughs) Fran has never experienced racism. But you're not supposed to say that if you're black because according to the lived experience, the existentialism worldview, your experience is what's most important at this moment. That's a very confusing worldview. It's very ungodly. It, uh, it's discriminating. But at the root of it, again, it's, it's ungodly. It's partiality. It's the sin of partiality. And that's what racism <coughs> is. It's, it's Using biblical language is partiality. But all that to say that if you, you hear the terms lived experience, a person's lived experience, that's, made, that's new made-up language. It's like the term anti-racist is a made-up word. It's a self, how can you, how <laughs> the word, the prefix anti means not. So how can you say you're not racist, but you have to be anti-racist? <laughs> it's a self-contradicting term. But this man has made millions of dollars. He gets paid tens of thousands of dollars to go lecture white people about how racist they are. And lecture black people about how they're victims of racism. And that's just wrong here. I don't, I don't follow that narrative. I don't, I don't buy that. But that's what existentialism looks like. That's one of the offshoots of it. That's what we see uh, today. People base 
You hear about feelings a lot. I feel, I feel, I feel. Do we hear people saying that a lot more now? Everything's about what? Our feelings. That's existentialism. It's all about your emotions, how people make you feel. That's existentialism. We live in a feelings-based culture. And that's not good because feelings are not truth. It's not truth. I was uh, talking to someone this morning about uh, last night about that. That you, God gives us our feelings. Uh, he gives us emotions. Okay, God gives us our emotions. But we can't have disordered emotions and disordered uh, feelings. They can't be inordinate. And they can't lead us to ungodliness. Or else they are disordered and we can't, we can't trust them. Our feelings have to line up with uh, the principles and precepts of, uh, of God's word. If your feelings lead you to uh, show partiality to other people, then they're definitely disordered. Next one is Mormonism. Mormonism is a worldview. Uh, you know, some people actually believe that Mormonism is like Christianity. You know, Mormons don't come to our house anymore like they used to. <laughs> they came one time, too many one time, Daniel. And uh, they don't come, those elders don't ride up uh, my neighborhood anymore because I, I, took, I took two of them to task. This was maybe five, six, seven years ago, but I took two of them, two of those young men to task when they came to my house. And uh, I said, I know more about your religion than you do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't even come about the street. All right, Mormonism, first of all, those, uh, and, and I'm going to tell you this, they're some of the nicest people you'll meet. You know, Teresa Lackey, uh, who used to be right down here a couple of spots from our uh, office, you know, she used to do our, our church accounting, you know, some years ago. She's moved down, down the street now. Not sweetest, just melt your face off nice. I mean, serious, they're very nice people but they serve a polytheistic religion Mormonism has mi uh, millions of gods okay what do they believe about God that God has many wives was a flesh and blood man his, his eldest sons are Lucifer and his brother Jesus yes Mormons believe that Lucifer and Jesus are brothers <laughs> and more got it <laughs> but they won't tell you that when they come visit your house Adam and Eve were Elohim and one of his goddess wives okay and male Mormons may become gods okay and they also believe that they will inherit celestial uh, planets and they're right that's what they work for. One thing you'll, you, you'll see about Mormons, if you know one, they work really hard. They work hard because they're trying to earn that place of being a celestial uh, planet. They work really hard. Like Teresa, she works 60, 70 hours a week. I mean, she does tax and stuff, sometimes 80 hours a week. They, they just believe in just... Working hard. Her husband's a UPS driver. I used to uh, load his truck when I worked down there. They, they're hard. They, they believe in that. Why? Because they're trying to earn something. New Age spirituality. Of course, it's highly synchristic. It contains just all types of uh, religious mishmash. It bothers some other worldviews, Eastern beliefs, pantheism, animism, just all of them. There's no transcendent God, no Lord of the universe. Unless it is each one of us new age um, adherents believe that we are small G gods and that we can speak things into existence. You hear, you, you hear people talk about manifesting. That's like a big thing now. That's new age. I'm out here manifesting. <laughs> I'm like, that just sounds so stupid. Just, I'm sorry. I'm just... <laughs> 
I'm sorry. I, I'm, I don't have tact. I'm, I'm sorry. I just. But you hear people saying that they're. You ever hear people say that? that they're out here manifesting? I mean, that's, that's new age. <laughs> I'm sorry. But they believe that they're small G gods, that they can manifest, they can speak things into existence, they can make things happen. It's like the old, uh, old heresy of naming and claiming from the 80s and 90s. You know, it's been repackaged to manifesting. You know, living my best life. You know, that, that's is, is manifesting. It's new age. We're not God. <laughs> you know, they take the scripture in Proverbs that life and death is in the power of the tongue. Uh, they, that's, one, that's one of uh, their most favorite verses. To say that, you know, you can't, if, if, if you speak on that in a certain way, then it's going to happen. They take that scripture literally that you can literally speak life or you can literally speak death. That is new age spirituality. And that is a heresy. But it is a worldview. Oprah Winfrey, uh, she's a, a high priestess of uh, new age. You know, she has her show called Super Soul uh, Sundays. That's what it's called, Super Soul Sundays on her her own network, which is named after her because she's a god, a small g god, okay? Yes, and she is the high priestess of New Age spirituality. She's a syncretist. She, she believes that she believes in manifesting. If you think about her, if you ever seen her magazine before, guess who's on the cover of every issue? Oprah. She's on the cover of every, every magazine, old magazine has who on the front. Oh, you tell me that's not a God that she's on the cover of her own magazine, every single issue. Why? Because she's a, she's a pagan high priestess, but that's new age. I don't know if y'all remember, um, have a memory like I do. It seemed like it was ancient history, but it was only back in 2020. Uh, the Democratic presidential candidates, one of them was a lady named Marion Wilson, Williamson. She was one of the uh, early candidates for the Democratic nomination. She is a New Age high priestess also. Her name is Marion Williamson. Go Google her. She's a New Age high priestess also. Oprah used to have her on her show all the time. She did. I, you know, I used to watch Oprah when I was uh, younger, when I was in, in, uh, in college. She was very popular back in the uh, early 90s. I mean, her show was everywhere. Of course, I didn't have a well-formed worldview at that time, but uh, I, I remember some of her shows and everything way back when I was in high school. But uh, Mary Williamson was one of her most popular uh, guests. And who's ever heard of the book called The Secret? Okay. The Secret was a, I think it came out in the 90s. And The Secret was about, in essence, uh, the power, the law of attraction. That is basically a positive thinking spin where the, the law of attraction means you attract to you whatever you speak. Okay. Whatever you speak. You attract. If you say I'm going to be wealthy. If you say that enough. Then guess what? You're going to attract wealth. If you keep saying, yeah, I'm, I'm just poor. I'm going to always be poor. Then guess what? You're going to attract it. That. That's, that's that worldview. That's new age. That's that worldview. It's a false worldview. But. That's what it talks about, the, the, the power of the law of attraction. But you had millions of people who were uh, buying that worldview hook, line, and sinker. That you have the power to create your own reality. And that's what New Age spirituality uh, teaches. That you're the master of your domain. You're the, 
captain of your own ship. That you can create the world that you want. That's a very false, deadly worldview. Islamic theism, there's no God but Allah and Muhammad is the prophet of God. That's one of the tenets of Islam. Okay? If you, you will hear a good Muslim say that there's no God but Allah and Muhammad is the prophet of God. I'll just leave that right there. Unitarian Universalism is basically saying that uh, everybody goes to heaven. Okay? Tolerance of all faiths. That all faiths are, 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 are true. That people are basically good. That we don't need to save. Then it, that's, there's no truth. But that's what universalists believe. And you have some people who are functionally universalists. You have some people who believe that all faiths are. You, you, you hear this statement that all religions are basically what? The same. <laughs> you hear people say that. Now there may be some through common grace, uh, some beliefs, but they're, they're, they come from God. They've been adopted by these other religions. You know, all these false religions believe that you're not supposed to kill anyone. But where does that come from? Thou shalt not what? Kill. That comes from God. It comes from God's word. Okay? Um, but all are not the same. It used to be the um, the little bumper stickers that said coexist. That's kind of last century. You know, you don't see those as much anymore. It, it had like the different symbols of uh, seven, seven letters. So you'll see seven different uh, symbols of seven different religions that say coexist. And on those cars, you may see other <laughs> Uh, different types of things too. And then I saw another one that said tolerance and it had nine different, you know, religious symbols, I guess nine different religions saying, saying tolerance. That's a, a universalist uh, sentiment. Prosperity theology, we know about that. Uh, God wants you healthy, wealthy, and prosperous. Um, I think prosperity theology is kind of on the, the wane. It's kind of fading out, but it's still out there. It just doesn't get as much attention as it used to because everything now is kind of moved towards uh, critical race theory and other heresies that have uh, entered into the church. Jehovah's Witness. Jesus is not God. That's what they believe. The witnesses don't even come to our house anymore. They, they, send, they sent us a card, but they don't even come to the house anymore. They skip by my door. Jesus is not God. The Holy Spirit is not God. So they don't believe in the Trinity. That Jesus is a created being. That he's not God. They don't believe in the bodily resurrection. That the uh, hell is the grave. And the 144,000 are going uh, to heaven. I don't know who they are. But I mean they, they got their numbers somewhere. I don't know who crunched their numbers for them. Yep, and that Satan is the author of the doctrine of the Trinity. That's what they believe. No. Well, 144,000 of them and the other witnesses are going to uh, remain on earth. So their, es their, their eschatology is different from Christian eschatology also. Yes, exactly. <laughs> hey, they had to, right? And another thing that um, one of my very close relatives is a Jehovah's Witness and very proud of it. And whenever the conversation goes that way, I, I divert to something else. Um, told me that every kingdom hall preaches the same thing every I guess they meet on Saturday or Sunday. I'm not sure. I think Saturday. But every kingdom hall preaches the exact message every time they meet. 
I was like, I didn't know that. And she said it as a badge of honor that every kingdom hall preaches the same, basically same liturgy, same sermon, everything, notes, all that. They preach the same sermon every around the world. Every time they meet. Yep. But it is it's a, again, Jehovah's Witnesses is a false religion. So is Mormonism. Mormonism is not a offshoot of is not a form of Christianity. Last thing here, and this is what we're going to look at as we move forward. Uh, these world, this this is how we're going to we're going to look at all these different types of worldviews: theology, you know, uh, philosophy, what is real, what is true, biology, the origin of life, so forth. And so I'm not going to read all those to you, but uh, we're going to start looking at these uh, different uh, worldviews and everything that comes out of them. So that's what we're going to look at. And, and again, like I said, next week, we're going to look at um, Dr. Peter Jones from the Truth Exchange. And uh, he talked about oneism and twoism. Uh, again, twoism is where you have God and creation. And oneism is those who try to blend God with his creation. That God is like his um, creation. And that he is one with his creation. And uh, I got to show this slide. Go a couple of slides. Uh, but you know Thad did this. So this, uh, go forward about three slides. It's got all those. I took the background out of it, but all this other stuff. I, I couldn't change the animations and everything. Let me click on it right quick. Hold on. Uh, show you all how times have changed since 2012, especially for our younger people in here. Let me show you all something right quick. Let me do something here. See if y'all recognize any of this right here. There we go. Look at all this. Any y'all recognize any of those shows on there? MTV, BET, Glee. Who remembers the show Preachers of uh, LA? Anybody remember that show? Anybody ever heard of that show? It came on back in, it had to be the early 20 aughts, as they say, the early 2010s. There was a show about four, was it four or five preachers? They were pastors of churches in, in Los Angeles, of all places. And they were all prosperity, you know, just synchristic uh, uh, preachers, you know, living that life and just like, no. Faking it, and anybody remember that show? Two Book Girls. Uh, looking, Real Housewives of, Scandal, Mistresses Dating Naked. These were actual shows. Divas for Jesus. Who remembers the show Modern Family? That was an immensely popular show. The Affair, of course, the Kardashians. Uh, 16 and Pregnant. Uh, anybody remember that show on MTV? It was the glorification of teen pregnancy. Uh, teen Moms. And some of those girls became celebrities during that point. YouTube, of course, Facebook, blogging. You know, this is old. It's talking about blogging. Nobody blogs anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Twitter, texting, sexting, close. Instagram. This is when Instagram first came out. It says that this is the world that scripture speaks about. STDs, HIV, same-sex marriage. And what can you add to that now? Transgenderism, which is not a such thing, by the way. Living together, homosexuality, sex slaves, teen pregnancies, school shootings, thugology, bullying, child and suicides, drive-by shootings, blah, blah, blah. This is the kind of world that we live in, right? And it's gotten worse. And the point of that is all of that shows us the kind of worldviews that we're living among and that we're competing with and against as Christians. That's what it all shows. What we're competing against, what we're up against. I think about shows like, you know, my wife and I used to, uh, this is one of our guilty pleasures, we used to watch The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. I haven't seen it in about three years. It's the same old thing, right? 
that show has a worldview behind it. Then you got shows called uh, 90 Day Fiance on TLC. <laughs> I mean, I'm serious. It's, it's one called 90 Day Fiance. One is about, and none of those couples stayed married. Why go through all that? But people do it to do what? Get, get clicks and likes and shares and, and, and get social media clout, get followers. A 90 day fiance. It's, it's, that's like quicker than the bachelor. The bachelor takes about three or four months. You know, they try to do it in 90 days. And now you got a show come on about a, a blind date marriage. Like, you just get. But there's an audience for it. That shows us the worldview about relationships that are out there. So, again, I uh, hope that I didn't drain the swimming pool with a straw. But this is. Again, our second time uh, introduction. Next week, we'll get into more uh, meat. Any questions? Any uh, additions? Anyone want to say anything, comment on what you've seen tonight? Daniel, you got anything? I'm putting you on the spot.